podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Bear Den. I'm Matt Workman. As always, over there is Joe Goodman. Joe, how's everything going? It's going well, man. One day away from a three-day weekend. Well, not me, but uh, it's okay. You got work on Monday? I'm working. Yeah. But I go off on Wednesday. Yeah, for like a you and know, I get I get five seven days, days or whatever. I get seven days off. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's, yeah. And I'm I'm going to Florida, so I'm looking forward man. to that. My name's Matt Work, man. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to be on in Destin next week. So, is it your destiny? Well, we'll see. Are you taking the whole fam, or is it just you? No, it's the whole fam. Yeah, and I, I'm not and stupid. one of my daughters. There's friends. no way it was just you. So I have like three teenage girls and me and my wife. So you have condo. so you have that trip planned. Yeah. You and I are going to Dallas. Yes. And then what else do you have this summer? We're going to go to San Antonio, I think, July 4th weekend. I think that's already planned. Nice. My, wife, my wife planned it. I think we're uh, going to like do the Amtrak from here to San Antonio. I didn't know there was one. Yeah. So we're going to take the train for what's well, in McGregor. So from McGregor to San Antonio. And then spend the weekend in San Antonio. How many how many people do you venture you will see also getting on a train in McGregor traveling to San know. Antonio at the same time as I you? I know. We had some friends. What's your over under like what's the over under on that? I mean if I gave you if I said there's gonna be your over under was ten and a half for other people that would be joining the train at the same time in McGregor to go to San Antonio. Well, here's with you. the thing. I think the over under needs to be the average age of the other occupants of the train. Because in my mind, like this is like an old person thing to do. Like, I mean, this is like a retired person. Like, I'm gonna take the train. Yeah, I mean, you are old, so. Yeah, but not not like retired. I you you know I, I don't know. No, I will never retire. <laughs> I'm at the sweet spot of uh, generations to where like I will never be able to retire. Oh, dude, yeah. I'll just Neither work until I die. Work till you die, baby. Unless one of us wins the lottery, then yeah. So, but anyway, what do you got for us, not Joe, to open up the episode? All right, so yeah, so we've been doing the the Reddit "Am I the assholes?" I I couldn't find anything that I really fell in love with. Um, so I decided, uh, I decided to go to a different subreddit for for tonight's story. And uh, this is off a Reddit called uh, Tifu or Today I Fucked Up, T-I-F-U. Um, and it's just a place where people can come and, you know, basically post when they've really screwed up. Um, this is a, this is an older post. Some You may have even heard heard this story before. I don't know. But it's from a couple of years ago. Um, and when I was just scrolling the subreddit earlier, I was like, I, I like this story and I'm, I'm into the, the level of drama that occurs and the nerd science that's behind it. So, um, I'll go ahead. We'll dive in and it is today. I fucked up. I accidentally revealed my boyfriend's mom's infidelity. All right. I 18 female was dating a boy named Jacob 18 male. 
His father, early 60s, was a mechanic, and his mom in her mid-50s was a stay-at-home mom. They were a pretty typical white suburban family in the South and had asked Jacob if they could meet me, even though we had only been dating for a month. At the dinner, I met his mom, dad, older brother, older sister, and her newborn daughter. The dinner went well, and I was chatting about my volunteer work at my college's blood drive, to which his father explains that his doctor told him he was O negative and a universal blood donor. My boyfriend then mentions he is also O, but his siblings casually mention that they are both AB. I don't think anything of it, because my boyfriend had mentioned that his mom was married once before and was widowed. The following conversation went like this. Me. Oh, that's really cool. You're of really rare blood type. If you don't mind me asking, is your mom's blood type A and your dad's B or your dad's A and your mom's B? Older sister, what do you mean? He's O, gesturing towards my boyfriend's father. Me. Oh, I know. I was just asking about your biological father. But of course, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. I noticed his mom start getting really pale, and it was in that moment I realized I had fucked up. Older brother, what do you mean, bio father? Me? I'm sorry, I didn't mean anything by it. Jacob's dad got really quiet, and looking at his wife's face, he knew instantly. I look over to Jacob, who I think was starting to put the full picture of what was happening together. Jacob's dad, are you saying they're not my biological kids? Because my wife swore up and down in marriage counseling that they were my kids, and she would never cheat on me. Yeah, turns out that she never had any kids from her previous marriage. Jacob's mom, I would never cheat on you. Uh, the older sister and older brother are your kids. Um, so t- Jacob's dad, tell me why you don't think they're my kids. I tried to excuse myself because it was very clear that the cat was out of the bag. And with a quick Google search from my boyfriend, he starts cussing out his mom. She starts to sob and apologizes over and over again. And I am forced to explain ninth grade biology to his father about the fact that the only kids he could have produced were with the blood type O, A, or B, but absolutely not AB. Jacob was the only one with the possibility of being his son. They all start screaming at one another. Older sister eventually leaves because her newborn is screaming too. His mom goes and locks herself in the bedroom. His older brother follows her screaming, asking who his real dad is. My boyfriend is trying to figure out if his dad still wants to be their father, and I eventually have a friend come pick me up. Yeah, we broke up shortly after this, but not after figuring out that none of the kids produced from the marriage were his. That is amazing. You've been dating somebody for a month, and the moment you walk into their home to their parents, you just absolutely nuke their family. I think it's like, that's kind of the conversation is like, if they don't bring it up, you probably shouldn't bring it up. Now, this is a common like thing that I've seen pop up on Twitter every few years. Like, you know, somebody will have the story of like, you know, I went to my biology class and we were talking about, you know, genetics and blood types. And I figured out that my yeah. parents weren't my parents. This this seems it may this might be fake. Who knows? But it's a good enough story that's separate from that one. That's re- that copy pasta that's out there. That I, I that I almost feel like it's real, and I want to believe that, like, you know, as messed up as that situation is, and as much therapy a lot of people are about to be going through uh, from that situation, I just can't imagine like leaving. Your friend comes and picks you up, and then like the next day, another friend's like, "Oh, how'd it go with Jacob's parents last night?" <laughs> I destroyed their family. <laughs> oh. 
Or or you could look at it like this. I just kind of they're they were all eventually going to be in therapy anyway. You just kind of yeah jump started that whole process. Do you know your blood type? No. I I know know your blood type. I'm I'm O, but I don't know if I'm like negative or positive. I know I'm an Uh, O though. I mean, I've never had a reason to know it. Or if I've been told, I could forgot. Like, because I've given blood and things like that, and had to have blood work done, and you know, normal course of like having physicals and things of that nature. But I've never inquired about it. Right. Fair enough. Or the, remember, why waste space something. that could be used for Star Wars, um, on blood type? Yeah. Or any other thing. So yeah. So I've never been that curious about it, but, uh, so, and hopefully I never need to know, honestly, unless, you know, but now, you know, you, uh, that you reminded me of something. So this isn't the same thing, but there's a lot of people who are the same pigment as myself. If you don't know, that's white, um, who, we're told, especially in the South, we're told you're the great, great something, grandmother, grandfather, or like you're, you have um, like Cherokee in, your, in our family, or we're part um, Native American. I happily have some abs- nobody in my family has ever made that claim. To so, me. yeah, Thank like God. this is a whole like story like that I was told, me and my, my whole family, me and my sister, we were told that our the great, great, great grandfather met this Cherokee girl on the Trail of Tears <laughs> and took her as his wife. And that's, that's the most unbelievable thing I've heard. And I'm like, well, this is an amazing story. And so, like... He saved her. Oh, yeah. the white knighting. So then, flash forward to about probably five years ago. You do well, a 23 and me and find all out the you rage, be more Scottish. I didn't. My sister did a 23 and me and I was like, oh, cool. I've never done it, but she was doing it. And then she got her results back and she showed them to me. She's like, there is zero indigenous <laughs> blood in her or, or DNA in her DNA. Like, I just really want to know, how, like, because you're right. There are t- I, growing up. I knew tons like that or like, uh just being from texas like i would hear like you know oh yeah like jim Bowie is my great 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 uncle i'm like no he's not um but but that's crazy like i always wonder where those stories start because it's it's never like everybody's like oh yeah my parents told me this or my grandparents like who lied to them or did they just create the lie out of thin air i mean i don't know why you'd create that lie that's you know that to your point why would you create such an elaborate because in my family it's like such a part of their identity. Like to where my cousin, who's a professor, you know, it was like going through the process to like be recognized as part like a Cherokee nation. Like put on her like college applications. I'm Native American. For like one sixteenth? Hey man. Get it where you can get it, I guess. Oh, uh, oh. I, I, I am I am very lucky that I never had anybody make that kind of like 
my dad's side of the family is like, yeah, they're like, we got some like Norse stuff and some Scottish stuff in us, but we're just kind of mutts. Cool. And then my mom's side was always just like, yeah, we're just uber French. Hey, yeah. And also it's, but it's it, like, I was always more, um, interested in like the part that said like, cause the supposed husband in this was like supposedly an Irish immigrant. So I was more interested. Oh, cool. Like Irish. That's kind of cool. He's an Irish immigrant came to America, but uh there's no like evidence of any of this stuff you should do ancestry and then when you as you go down the line on ancestry you just you pick it pick out who you think the dirty liar is so you just find like his like some guy his name is just like cletus workman and you're like it it was you i know it was you yeah well definitely it was my mom's side so it definitely wouldn't be workman they i tracked are all like I'm almost certain it's like these are like Dutch German folks. I was able on my mother's side on ancestry. I got all the way back to the 17th century. I got all the way back to France and I found a, like my great, 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 something grandfather on my mom's side. His name was Pierre de Chatels and he was a tailor. I probably butchered his last name. Sorry, grandpa. I got back to like 1600 on my dad's side. Mm, yeah, and that's about as far back as I got. To where some like my seventh great grandfather like immigrated from uh, Holland to Brooklyn, New York. See, my family on my mom's side, we went from France to Canada to Louisiana, which is the pretty standard route there. So that all makes sense. Mine's like a little weird, like New York. Well, I guess not. New York, Virginia. I knew you were a Yankee. West Virginia. And that's about where that's where it stops. That's where my dad's from. So, but yeah, that's a little uh, genealogy with Matt and Joe. No, Matt. Yes. Do you think, um, I was about to make a BYU BYU joke, and then I looked at the show notes, and we're not going to BYU yet. Just yet. There is some news. Yeah, yeah. What are we saying first? There was news this week. Let's There's let's talk news. football. How about that? Yeah, let's transition let's to football. Let's move from your, from your, uh, from your, my throne your of lies, my whole like, life is built on to, uh, to football. <laughs> we'll leave your cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Very problematic, this podcast. Um. So, yes, so there was a little bit of football news. Uh, Dave Aranda had a kind of like, I guess it was a pre-summer press conference, which I don't think he's ever done before. And during this course of this press conference, he said that they're going into fall camp with uh, Blake Shapin as QB1. We were right. And that's all that matters here. People had opinions about it. I actually, I now I'm fully aware of what those opinions likely were, um, but I happily didn't read any of it on Twitter. Well, I would say this. I mean, it the what I read was mostly you kind of reverted back to how poorly he played in the second half of the season, which is fair. He did not play well, um, but I, the mostly what I saw was like, I don't know why you make this decision, why you need to make this decision now, which is kind of. Where I was, I was like, you really don't need to name a starter before fall camp. 
at this rate. The way I think about it is this is and I and this is my assumption about Aranda is Aranda is he's very into the mental aspect of how things work. Um and I think that's a big part of how he motivates people. Um his he focuses on like what is going to motivate you? What's going to motivate my team? And I, I would bet you a lot of money that he understands that the quarterback position is highly valued and highly respected, not just by fan bases and analysts, by by the people in the locker room. That's yeah. that's a guy that if your quarterback is truly your leader of your team, that's generally a pretty good thing to have. Um, and if you have a quarterback who maybe is struggling mentally, you know, I, I think last year in the second half of the year, especially like there, he had zero confidence in himself. Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that's the excuse for some of the really bad play that we did see from him. Um, but there was, there was multiple points last year where I was watching him play, where I was like, I don't even know if he really wants to be out there right now. And and I think we talked about that a lot last year. Yeah. It just felt like he didn't have that killer instinct compared to um, when he came in to say like the big 12 championship game. Um, and he was out there and he was just slinging it. And it was like, you know what, let's just, let's just go out here and have fun and see what happens. Um, I, I, it felt like there was a lot more pressure on him. So I think there's a lot of the mental aspect side of this where it's like, okay, the guys can galvanize around him. He's not going to be spending all summer when practice is totally different, right? They do workouts and they do practice a little bit, but it's not, it's not full bore football practice. Like you get in the fall and the spring. Yeah. Um, and so instead of having, you know, him sit there and wonder, you name him the starter now. Um, and and I think I think it was pretty clear that he said like he's our starting quarterback going into the fall. It doesn't mean that the competition is over. It just means when they kick off fall camp and they he's, start getting ready for week one, he's with the, he's the guy that's going to be taking the reps with the first team. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I think and I've heard Drake has talked about this over in his podcast, that like for everything that he's heard. Like the team, like Blake is like the the locker room leader, and people, you know, like him a lot. The team follows him, and that I think that is a lot what uh, Randall's going for is like the leadership aspect, you know, yeah. being the veteran. That and the other thing. part of it is, you know, Aranda is not Bill Belichick. He's not Nick Saban. He's not what we have come to kind of see as the norm when it comes to the ways that college football teams or just football teams in general, sports teams in general, interact with the media. Aranda is much more open uh, and much more honest, not saying other coaches aren't are dishonest, but just that they keep things much closer to the vest, right? Aranda is much more willing to, to be real in these conversations. And so at when we when we as fans say like I don't understand why he did it now he didn't have to yeah he didn't have to but he didn't you know it's it's not like a bad thing that he's done it either um I did not expect him to just because again he didn't have to I I fully expected this whole time that like they may it, he may come out and say something like um you know we know who the starter is probably going to be but we'll announce that closer to the first game of the year that's kind of what I expected but when you think about it that's not how Aranda operates. So it kind of, you know, like I shouldn't have been thinking about it that way. I should have been thinking about how is Aranda going to handle this? Um, so at the end of the day, it doesn't surprise me that they, that, that they picked Shapin. I thought that they would pick Shapin pretty much this whole time. And um, 
now that I've had a, you know, hindsight 2020, I'm not really surprised anymore that he said it um, and that he announced it. So that's kind of where I sit with it. Um, I'm very much in wait and see mode. I'm not, um, I'm not excited. Shapin, Shapin hasn't done anything for me in a really long time that tells me like, I really think that this is going to be awesome. Um, I don't have all the faith in the world in Sean Bell as a quarterbacks coach. I love Sean Bell to death. He's a great dude. Uh, I, I think, I think the players probably like him a lot too. I really like that he's on our coaching staff because that was the quarterback my freshman year at Baylor. So like he, there's an emotional attachment there for me with Sean Bell, but I really haven't seen him do much in the, in the way of development. And I, you know, I know, I don't think it's fair to criticize him in this space, but there has been some criticism around recruiting because of what happened with Novosad. Um, But overall, everybody that's involved in the quarterback situation heading into this season hasn't done anything for me that says you should expect something different than last year. I still don't think Blake was as bad as everybody made him out to be. He wasn't good by any means. I'm not excusing that. Um, But again, like I watched Spencer Petras play a few times last year and I know what really bad can look like. So, you know, I'm intrigued to see what happens, but I'm definitely I'm definitely, you know, I'm not expecting this to be Robert Griffin the third or Nick Florence or Bryce Petty or Seth Russell going out there on the field. Yeah. Um, part of me being on the optimistic side thinks last year was his his first full year as a starter. So I think it's not unreasonable to expect some better decision making, you know, just to be a better quarterback in his second year as the starter you know so i don't think that's unreasonable but i also don't think that i think aranda kind of spoke to this about offensively did you did you read like his indiana jones quote i hadn't no tell me so basically he's talking this is during a media thing and he's talking about he showed the team like he was thinking about the movie um i guess it was the first um indiana jones film and you know when he's in that He's in Raiders some, of the Lost Ark. Was mean? it? Uh, was that the first one? Yes, it's Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark. Okay, and then um, Temple of Doom. Um, right, Temple of Doom, and then the Last Crusade, last Crusade. and then the last one, the King we don't, of Christmas. No, we don't. We don't. We don't, we don't, we don't have to. We don't have to speak about that. Um, so there's a scene where he's in this like city street, and there's a foreign gentleman who has this huge sword, fancy sword. He's doing. Yeah, I mean, I posted tricks. that video on Twitter, like. When yeah. we announced that we have a bear named well, he, he he used that as an analogy of like that's how they felt last year. They see this guy doing all his fancy tricks, and they're like, "We want to do fancy tricks," and forgetting like, "Yeah, but we have a gun. We can just use our gun." Yeah. And I think he's more talking about like the their twenty twenty one how they played offense with you know ball control. We're going to play you know tough football. Abram Smith, how they how they ran with their running backs. And they tried to do like, look at all this fancy stuff TCU does and Oklahoma does. We want to do fancy stuff too. And they kind of got away from what they did well. And I believe that there, yeah, there were definitely times last year where I was sitting there kind of like, why don't we just give the ball to Richard Reese more? Like, And like, I think with, with Richard Reese, you know, he was a freshman. So he's just come back for a second year. You have uh, Dominic Richardson from Oklahoma state transferred in. And then you have the um, freshman, I think, um, Washington 
you have three backs who they could all share the time and they're all very physical runners. And so you're really going to be able to wear teams down if you want to add it in the additions of the guys you brought in on the offensive line. Um, you could really get back to that 2021 formula, but everyone saw 2021. So you're going to have to add some wrinkles, but I think your, your bread and butter, you want to get back to like, we're going to play physical football and control the ball and play good defense. And that's what they want to do. There's nothing better than when we would just run the ball down people's throats. Yeah. Whenever, you know, we're giving it to Abram and there's nothing you can do about it. Ah, that was so good. That was such a, that was such a good year. I love 2021. We'll get born to Baylor later, but this week we're talking about BYU. The Cougars. So we wanted to go ahead and kind of do like our way to preview all the teams coming in the Big 12. It's going to be a crazy season. 14 teams, nine conference games. Not everyone's playing to everybody, but um, it's going to be a, a wild season, I think, for sure. So we want to just start and just kind of preview all the teams and see what this what we think about it. And um, so we're going to start with the top, with the new guys, and BYU's first. And we have a little familiarity with them, played them two years in a row. And speaking of 2021, had a very good game against them in 2021. Not so great in 2022. Um, they did lose some production. Um, Jaron Hall's gone on to the NFL and so is like Puka Nakua their um their their big receiver from last year and the year before that so they are replacing some pieces but they did add some people too they have a, a I guess it would be a familiar name I think it's a familiar name who's their uh, new quarterback Joe Heden Slovis Keaton Slovis by way of USC and Pitt Correct. to BYU. So he had a disgustingly bad year last year. Yes. But and, Pitt wasn't good. And, so and he's and he's following up someone who had a great year at Pitt. But they changed their offense from what they did with um Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett to what they were trying to do. Narduzzi, I think, tried to do more what he's comfortable with, which is Kind of what uh, Baylor does, which is, you know, he wants to run the ball more and play good defense. Yeah. Um, so it, like it'll be interesting that. to see what's, what version of Slovis comes in because he, he's shown flashes in the past of being pretty damn yeah. good. Because BYU um, has a fun offense. When they're on firing all cylinders, it's amazingly entertaining to watch. They brought in another quarterback as well, if you weren't aware. I wasn't. Um, I got to find his name real fast, but uh, they brought in the number one uh, Juco quarterback. Okay. Um, who is now their backup. I can't, I need to find the dude's name, but um, he uh, apparently is, is pretty good, but he Slovis is, is likely the, you know, the, the hands-on starter. He's, he's the big name transfer. Yeah. And, and everybody's kind of expecting him to be there. Um. Jake Retz, Retzlaff, that's his name. The number one ju- uh, Juco quarterback transfer in the country. Um, so. And I know they lost, like like we mentioned, like Puka Nakua, um, 
they do have some receivers coming back. And then I think they lost all their running backs. So they're have a bunch yeah, of Yeah, but names. they do have some they, they got a transfer in from Colorado, they got a transfer in from UNLV. Yeah. Um it's I don't I don't know how good they're expecting their running backs to be, but there's I, a lot of guys. From what I've read on from their bloggers, they expect it to be one of the at least deepest running back rooms they've had in a long time. Yeah, and, uh, you're going into, you know, the you're also switching from what their their independent schedule which at times uh may not have been the strongest to correct you're playing nine i think they have currently their their strength of schedule is like number 28 in the country yeah and so they that's gonna they have to adjust to plan a power five team nine games or and we'll look at their schedule a little bit i think i read it's like 10 straight games of playing a power five opponent which well i mean that's pretty different it's gonna be it's gonna be different for them though It'll be different for them. Yes, they they start the season off, and and let's just go ahead and dive in. So, we're, what we'll do, and we're going to do this week by week for each for each of the uh, the teams of the Big Twelve. So, like Matt said, we're starting with BYU. We're just going to run down, and we're going to go through the schedule that they've got, just like we do every year, and we'll we'll end it out with Baylor. Um, but like Matt mentioned, they do they have ten they have ten Power Five games in a row. Um, to close the season out, they start the season off against two, I guess, FCS teams. I think, yeah, both of these are FCS teams. Um, for right uh, now, Sam Houston out there, aren't they going to like Conference USA? Let me see, let me click Sam Houston. They are Conference USA, yes, they're they're FBS now, okay. So, yes, they do start out, so there is only one FCS team, but yes, week one of the year for them, Saturday, September 2nd, they play at home against the Sam Houston Bearcats from uh, Huntsville, Texas. Uh, Matt, BYU, Sam Houston, who wins, Cougars or Bearcats? Sam Houston's a very good, has been very good FCS level. They're bumping up um, to higher competition as well. Um, I think BYU... It just has a more quality of athlete for this level of football. So I'm going with the Cougs. Yeah, absolutely. BYU is going to beat them. Um, and it's it, and it's it's in it's in Provo. It's a, yeah, it's in Provo. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I love you. I love you to death, Sam Houston. You don't have a shot at winning this game. Yeah. All I right. Agree. Next up, BYU still at home faces off against. Uh, let's see. It would be intrastate rival. Yeah. Southern Utah. The Southern Utah Thunderbirds. Uh, I'm gonna go with a BYU win here as well. A BYU? You think you don't think the Thunderbirds are gonna handle them? I know it's a in-state rivalry, but I'm gonna go with the, the Cougars. <laughs> I'll agree with you there. We have a two and zero start to the year. Um, BYU, you know, undefeated. Getting into mid, getting into mid September, and this is where it gets a little bit different. They've got their first Power Five game of the year, um, and their first road game of the year, um, and their last non-con of the year before they get into officially being into Big Twelve play. BYU heads to DWR Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville, Arkansas, to face off against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, Matt, do the Cougars have it in them to pull off an upset on the road in SEC country? I I just don't I don't think so. Yeah, I, not, I don't think they'll have the horses for that. On the, uh, on the Arkansas road. is a tough place to play. 
they, they're not as bad as they have been in you know some of the more recent previous years. They seem well. To they're going to be physical. Yeah, and it's gonna be they're just gonna be more physical team. I think they'll be faster and bigger for sure. Yeah, and they're in Arkansas seems to have good stability at, at head coach now. So okay, so we've got we're still in agreement. We we haven't veered off from each other yet. So we've got two and one BYU. Um, heading on the road for their very first official Big 12 conference game. They go to Lawrence, Kansas, David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium, face off against the surging last year, Kansas Jayhawks, uh, who by all accounts should be at full strength. Um, you know, a yeah. lot they had some injuries at the quarterback position last year. Um, and I would assume that by this point in the season that they would still be pretty healthy at that position. Who knows? Um, in their Big 12 debut, Matt, does BYU get their first Big 12 win and Big 12 road win against the Jayhawks? Uh, no. Oh, um, I got think Kansas winning. Yeah, Kansas all last year, their offense is, was very good. And I think, as you mentioned, being at full strength, uh, they're going to continue to be a very good offense. And BYU's got a brand new offensive scheme, brand new off, uh, I mean defensive scheme, brand new defensive coordinator who moved up from the FCS level to BYU. So I'm going to think there's going to be a little bit of growing pains there and that Kansas just going to be able to outscore them. All right. I am going to say BYU wins cuz I still See, don't believe in Kansas. I still don't believe in Kansas. Joe is a Jayhawks hater. And he just doesn't believe. I don't. I don't believe in the Jayhawks. Prove me wrong this year, guys. Do it. Prove me wrong. But I just don't quite believe in them yet. You know, that it it takes a minute. They're definitely better coached. You don't just best. go into Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> you don't One just walk, into, David walk Booth, into Lawrence Kansas Memorial Stadium and get a W. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. All right. So I've got three and one. You've got two and two. Um, so BYU gets a reprieve after two weeks on the road. This will be their their last game before their off week. Mm-hmm. Um, and they face off in their second Big 12 game against another Big 12 newcomer. Head back to Provo, Utah, where they face off against the Cincinnati Bearcats. Matt, in this battle of newcomers of real cat versus fake cat, who's going to win? So this game is in Provo. It's in Provo. Cincinnati has its own changing of the guard going on with uh, Scott Satterfield taking over for Luke Fickle. Um, they lost a lot of talent off of uh, their team, who was a very good team last year. I think BYU comes out on top. I agree with you. I've got BYU 4-1 and one here. You've got them 3-2. and two. But yeah, I, have, I don't disagree with anything you've said. Alrighty, then you so you've got five games on the books. You get your break, take a breather, get healed up, and you head back out on the road against not an original Big 12 member, but a veteran Big 12 member. You head to Fort Worth, Texas, Amon G. Carter Stadium against the I guess we could call them the national runners up. Um, it, don't forget they lost 65 to 7, I think was the score in the they national were, championship. They're, game. they're also the Big 12 runner up, so. Oh yeah, and they also lost the Big Twelve title game um, after going twelve and zero. 
Uh, they they head to Fort Worth to take on the TCU Horn Frogs. Sonny Dykes in his second season at the helm. Matt, uh, do the Cougars take out one of the other religious schools in the Big Twelve? So, I think the TCU Horn Frogs are going to take a slight step back, um, but still be very potent on offense. They also have a new offensive coordinator coming in so we'll see how that works out but i think they have enough to beat byu at home for sure all right so you've got byu what three and three now three and three i'm going to agree with you here i think tcu wins this game at home as well and i've got byu drop into four and two um all right now they fly all the way back up to the mountains and they face off everybody's favorite team from the desert um, the Texas Tech fighting Joey McGuire's. Oh, I thought you were uh, gonna say UNLV. <laughs> no, the real cactus kids, you know. Oh, okay. Uh the cactus Red Raiders. Emojis. Yeah, there we go. Um the Red Raiders head to head to Provo um uh, to take on BYU. Matt, you have BYU. Are they going over five hundred or are they dropping under five hundred for you here? Let me I'm gonna look at this one. So I think Texas Tech always kind of drops a weird game. So I must I think BYU I'm not calling it upset, but I think BYU defeats Texas Tech. All right. So you've got them four and three. Yeah. Matt, we are now even because I have Texas Tech winning this okay. game. And uh, so this would be uh, two straight losses now that I've got for BYU at, and they're now four and three for me. I think Texas tech wins this game. Um, and BYU starts looking at their schedule and this is possibly a point where we might see their fans wondering if they're going to a bowl game or not, because it doesn't get any easier after playing a Texas team. They have to hop on a plane and actually fly to Texas again for the second time in three weeks. They got three straight Texas teams. Uh, luckily one of them at home. But they head to Austin, Texas, DKR, Daryl K. Royal, Texas Memorial Stadium to face off against everybody's yearly favorite to finally be back, the Texas Longhorns. Matt, do you think BYU has a Texas upset in them? They've done it in the past. Um, They have done it in the past, but I don't think they can do it this time. So I think the Longhorns take care of business at home. Yeah, I think Texas probably beats the snot out of them uh, at home at this point in They'll the season. They'll just be showing clips of that uh, the game back before yeah. the Manny Diaz got fired after that game because mm-hmm. just they were just embarrassed by BYU. So yeah, I think I think t- and I also think this is the point where this schedule fatigue might start kicking in for BYU and not just for the players, for the coaching staff too. Yeah. Like and. We'll talk about the next game. It's a, it's a, this is a wild stretch of like four games. Yeah, it really is. Cause you've got at TCU, then you've got to come home and you get Texas Tech, but then you're back on, back in Austin. And now, um, so we both have what four and four now is where yeah. we're at. So we're both 500, four and four, two games left to reach bowl eligibility for BYU. They've got what may be one of the longest intra conference games. Mm hmm. That exists in college football. They had right, as two, of right now. So 
Well, I think it may stay that. Well, I guess no. Like USC Rutgers is going to be. USC Rutgers is going to be. Yeah, a long that's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> but we've got from Provo, Utah to Morgantown, West Virginia, um, Mountaineer so you fly, Field. You fly to Texas, back home, back home, and to Morgantown, and then to Morgantown, West Virginia, to face off against the Mountaineers, who at this point may or may not have the same head coach that they've started at started out with at the beginning of the year who knows uh i guess it'll all depend on how much it'll cost to fire neil brown but i don't have any faith in what in west virginia whatsoever that being said do you think west virginia is able to pull off what i assume is probably going to be an upset for them to beat byu i'm not real high on west virginia but I have travel concerns with BYU and fatigue. So I'm going to say that the Mountaineers upset BYU. Oh, all right. So you got BYU dropping a four and five. I'm going to say BYU wins this game. I, there's going to be travel fatigue and stuff like that, but I think uh, there's no way this game because of that travel is going to, it's not going to be like an 11 a.m. kick. It's going to be, what if the, this is like a Thursday night game? If it's a, that that would be beneficial for BYU, I think like, so? the so best thing that can Saturday. happen for BYU is that this is a night yeah, game. It's a Saturday game, but they could change it. But yeah, <laughs> I doubt it'll be a Thursday game. I'm. This is going to be a game that I would bet likely is might be on like ESPN Plus because it's not going to be high profile, but these fan bases are big enough that they'll want to still watch the games that it would be smart for ESPN to put this game on ESPN plus because then somebody might be, you have a higher opportunity for somebody to buy the subscription to watch it because they like West Virginia or they like BYU, but you don't want to throw this on ESPN two because nobody's going to want to stop what they're doing to watch this. this Cause I don't think either of these teams is going to be, you know, recognized as good at this point of the year. Deep in my soul, this feels like an FS one game. Yeah. You know it, what I mean? It, yeah, like yeah, I could see that maybe. Like it, but I do think I do think this time. inevitably is a. I think it's a night game, or at the very least, it's a three p.m. game, um, just because of the travel that BYU is going to go through. I think it's on the East think, Coast, so so it's not going to be yeah. too late. So, but yeah, I so think I can see. Um, I, I think you've like got. I think you've got BYU winning this game. They go. They're five and four at this point. So we've diverged again. You're you're four and five. I'm five and four. After that three out of four stretch on the road, we do get a little bit of a repeat reprieve with two home games in a row, but they still end on the road. We still have a whole nother road game to go to here. This is why they have a tough schedule. I mean, at Arkansas, at Kansas, at Texas, at West Virginia, and you still have another road game in conference. But after playing West Virginia, they head back to Provo and they face off against Matt Campbell's Iowa State Cyclones. Matt, do you think Iowa State has what it takes to win in Provo? Yeah, I do. So I have Iowa State beating BYU. So you got them five and five now. Five and five. All right, I'm gonna agree with you. This is where uh, BYU hits the or hits or sorry, I'm taking I'm taking Iowa State to win this game. Sorry, yeah, that's and, right. I've took Iowa State. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm gonna agree with you there. So now I've got um, I've got what. Oh no, you're four and six now. I'm four and That's six. That's where you're at. I'm yeah, four yeah you're six, four and yeah. six. I'm dropping to five and five. Still not bowl eligible. Um, the Cyclones will win this game. 
Um, and BYU fans are getting a little bit nervous because now they've got to play back-to-back weeks against some teams from the Prairie, one at home, um, following Iowa State, and still in Provo, Utah, the Oklahoma Sooners head to town. Matt, does Oklahoma turn over a new leaf compared to the team that they were last year? And are they able to go into Provo and snag a win? Or does BYU do what they have to do in in your current prediction to reach bowl eligibility? Because they got to win out to, um, to be bowl eligible in your in your predictions. Okay, yeah. So I'm four and six, and I think that they they notch another win. I'm not just not a believer in the Sooners. Um and I think uh, going playing in Utah is gonna have an effect on Oklahoma. And I think BYU can I would presume would be an upset, maybe. But Okay. So you've got five and six now. Five and six. All right. I'm gonna disagree with you here. I think at this point in the season, BYU is kind of going, okay, this is tougher than we thought it was going to be. Um, I think Oklahoma is going to be a little bit better than last year. And I think Oklahoma will just have better athletes that are more used to the grueling schedule. And I'm going to take Oklahoma to win this game. So we are now back even with each other. Just got there in different ways um, at a five and six BYU team that now has one game left to reach bowl eligibility in their first year in the Big 12. Matt, that opportunity comes against the other Oklahoma school as for their final regular season game of the year. They had to Stillwater, Oklahoma at Boone Pickett Stadium to face off against the Mike Gundy-led Oklahoma State Cowboys. Matt, do they are is BYU going bowling or are they finishing up and this is the last thing that they play in their first year in the Big 12? I think this is the last game in the first year of the Big 12. You got Oklahoma State beating them at home. I think I got, yes, I do. All right. I'm going to agree with you here. We have a five and seven BYU team. Um, I just think, I think, I don't think a lot of these are going to be blowouts that I have picked as losses. I think they'll probably be close games. But by this point, I do really think that BYU will probably just be worn out and, I yeah, think I they think, got the short end of the stick with scheduling and they and it's not the easy. Ones, I think they're one of the ones that are gonna see the most growing pains moving up. I, I agree. Mean, they're moving from independent to a power five league, but you know, you when you got to make your own schedules, it was they had an easier path to bow eligibility, and it's just not gonna be that way in this conference. Especially yeah, they, they played a lot of Pac-12 schools, but they were also they yeah. also had the ability to do like Pac-12 school, easy school, Pac-12 school, easy school. Whereas this is week in, week out, and it's on the road in tough environments. I mean, yeah, yeah. TCU coming off of what they had last year, that's going to be a tough environment. Kansas is going to be the toughest. It's it's going to be the toughest that Kansas has ever been in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Arkansas is going to be insane. You've got Oklahoma State that even if they're not good, there's probably going to be some people there. I doubt, I don't think that the um, the West Virginia crowd will be very thick. Uh, but TCU is coming off of a, a national title game. That place is going to be sold out all I year long. Texas at, at DKR, they're going to be a pretty raucous crowd. Yeah. So these are, these are tough road games that they've got. And I think it's going to be a bit of a buzzsaw introduction into the Big 12. TCU went through that. 
you know, think back to 2012. They, yeah. you know, they first had a Ward rough six. time when they first came in or something like that. They, they were four yeah. and eight, I think, four in eight. their first year. Six, yeah. And and it was a lot of that was just due to they weren't a bad team. They weren't a bad coach team. But a lot of that was just due to they just were not ready for that level of competition yet. So no. I, I agree. I think we're going to see a little bit of, of that from all four of the they, newcomers. They're going to um, need to recruit. Yeah. Big 12 level talent mm-hmm. and kind of get a taste of it just so they know what they're going to, ha- how they have to build their teams moving forward. And and the other part of this is that you're dealing, th- I think coaching staffs are a big part of this too, because mm-hmm. Every week you are going up against a coaching staff that has more resources than you've ever had as a coaching staff. And, you know, probably more coaches, better coaches, like guys that have left the level that you are leaving to come to the level that they're at right now. Yeah. Um, You know, really, really smart dudes. And so it's, there's not going to be as much straightforward stuff. There's going to be more innovative stuff. There's going to be guys that are tougher to coach against. It's going to be a mentally tougher game too for, not just the guys that are on the field. It's going to be different. It's going to be faster. It's going to be bigger. Um, so yeah, I think I think long term BYU is going to fit in very well and be very successful. I, 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 I just too. think they're going to a little bit of a few speed bumps here in this first year because there's still BYU. You're still going to have grown men on the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely, man. There's, that's still a fact. Yeah, I, I I think I think BYU may be. You know, it's tough to really point out, but they may be best suited to to have long term success now that they are finally, you know, in the power five realm. Mm-hmm. They have a huge fan base. They've got money backing them. Um, they've they they've always been able to recruit at a pretty solid level. So I um I think I think long term BYU fans, if you listen to this, I think you're gonna be just fine. I think twenty twenty three is just gonna be a little hard on you. And like the as we've seen this year, I mean with the transfer portal, they'll be able to tr- recruit you know, name power five level players to come to BYU. Correct. Yeah. Just like they did with Keaton Slovis. That's just more of the same. Um, and that'll continue to go on and they'll be able to build their rosters. I think probably after the 2023 year, you'll probably see a, a complete different BYU team in 2024. Yeah. And they're going to have more money for facilities. Oh know? yeah. They're going to have more money to hire coaches. Just, you know, it's just going to be all around better for them. Yeah, for sure. All right, Matt. That's that's football talk. That's that's BYU for the year. Who who are we who are we talking about next week? Next week is Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the Burcats. All right. Look forward to that. Matt, Cincinnati is not too far. I mean, it is kind of far, but it's not too far from Kansas City, which is the hometown of what fictional English Premier League coach? Yes. So that is Ted Lasso's hometown. Very similar cities. One thinks they have good chili. The other thinks they have good barbecue. So very similar. Hey, look, Kansas City knows what they're doing with the pig. I'll give them credit. Like, I've always said Texas knows what they're doing with cows. Kansas City knows what they're doing with pigs. I think that's a fair compromise. That's fair. That's fair. Um. So, yeah. So, Ted Lasso hails from Kansas City, Missouri, I think. Um, did you get to see the latest episode of Ted Lasso? Oh, of course I did. And the, it's the penultimate episode of the series as we know it right now, of course. As, as we know it right now, I think there's some question about that, but 
and it's it will, there, I don't in think this the show will be Ted Lasso. Before. Yeah, this iteration of Ted Lasso universe, I guess you could say. Yeah. My assumption yeah. is there will be a spinoff, and it will be called something like AFC Richmond. I, I agree. I think we talked about that last time. That that makes most sense. Yep. Um, this Matt, what was, was the number one thing that you took out of this latest episode? Like, just the very the number one thing that you took away from it. Because I can tell you mine. Okay, go ahead and tell yours. I'm I'm gonna think about the it. The number one thing is that we were all right, and Ted is absolutely heading back to Kansas. Okay, yes. And I took away. I was just like, you know, they're. It's just such a good show. Like they're still like doing. They know. What I legit doing. cried two yeah. times in this episode. Twice. Me too. Back to back as well. <laughs> like. The Beard and Nate scene and then the mm-hmm. Ted and his mom scene. Also, yes. interestingly enough, I was 100% raised by Ted's mother. That was, It was uncanny uh, watching that character fold out on screen and just be like, oh, that's exactly what my mom does all the time. Like down to the taking really innocuous stories from my life and just pumping them full of steroids and telling them to people to, like... You know, I love the scene where Trent Krem walks in and he goes, did you really dance on stage with Bruce Springsteen? And he's like, no, I sang the song at like a bar mitzvah or whatever. And it's like, my mom does that too. My mom has told people when I was dating my now wife, she told my wife, did you know, did you know uh, he played golf for Baylor? I was like, what? And and she was like, yeah, he played golf for Baylor. And I'm like, I did not play golf for Baylor. What are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, you did. And I'm like, I took a one hour like introduction to golf class while I attended Baylor. And my mom turns that into he played golf for Baylor. Same thing. You were so big 12. And and that's just one example. So I was just like, uh, and personality wise, my mom is very much like Dottie Lasso. So I was, it was very intriguing to me to just sit there and be like, Oh, that's, that's literally my mom on TV. My mom's more like Roy Kent. So that's a difference. For sure. Anyway, what was my biggest thing? Like, is that, like I said, we they absolutely know what they're doing, and I, the people, and I, I agree with this, and this is what I think our our friend Neil Galimo said, is that people who don't like this season of Ted Lasso didn't like Ted Lasso in the first place. They're just they're just in the group think because. I don't know how anyone who started watching it in 2020 and season one could not like this season. I think it's just, they're just doing things. It's still a very good television show. Oh, yeah, I agree. I also think that a good portion of people that are Ted Lasso fans, I think it's similar to Game of Thrones in that um, most folks didn't start watching it from week one. Most people started watching it either after season one had ended and they started hearing some of their friends talk about it or they started at some point midway through season one. But at any rate, I think most people like like I started at like week three is when I when I started watching it. So I had three episodes to watch when I first started watching. And I think a lot of folks are like that, too, where they had they had a group of episodes, if not an entire first season to binge. So they got to see much more of the picture be painted than what we're experiencing now. So 
coming into season three, it's enough of a cultural phenomenon having gone through two seasons that everybody's all caught up and everybody's watching it week to week. And so you're getting just pieces of the painting and you're not seeing it done yet. And I've seen a lot of people complain and then suddenly turn around and be like, oh, actually, no, I get it now. Or, oh, no, it actually makes sense. Oh, I'm comfortable with this now. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, let let the art get created before you judge it. And and I trust me, I get where some people are coming from. Like Max Garner has talked about, you know, our buddy. Um, he's talked about how he thinks Ted's jokes are he, they just don't they feel forced this year. It feels a little extra corny. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I can kind of see that, too. Like, it doesn't feel as natural. Um, and I do also think that there is a criticism that the show is called Ted Lasso, but there hasn't really been that much Ted this season. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's also fair. But I think they created some wonderful characters that they wanted to explore and that's no fault. That's what the artist wanted to do. So I've adored this season week in and week out. I think I put it on the level of season one. I wasn't the biggest fan of season two compared to one. I think the season's better than season two. Um, and I'm so excited to see everything kind of close out next week. And I really do hope that we get some kind of spinoff in the future because I, I really enjoy this universe and the the wonderful cast of characters that have been created. I did. I do, too. And the small little things like whenever he's talking to Jamie, when he's like on the sideline trying to get his ankle worked out and talking about, you know, forgiving his dad. And he goes, I wouldn't give that to him. And he's like, no, you give that to yourself. You know, those little and small things like that. He takes he takes what Jamie says away and brings that to his mom. Yeah, like what would you say to your your dad? He'd say, Fuck you. Fuck you and, and thank, thank you. you. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's such it's brilliant in, in my mind. Because when he comes back and he says that to his mom, you know, so even like things like that, you see they have like a impact on Ted from his players. You know, they have an impact on him. And he's going through stuff too. He's not doesn't have it all figured out and and you see that at the end when he's having that um that scene with his mom in the kitchen of his apartment but also the little things like whenever roy calls um jamie into the the boot room and he makes that one peek to make sure the wheel's not, the wheel's there. not in there from and previous he, in the previous whenever he was there yeah things like that i think is like that kind of comedy i think is like done so well on this show so the the thing that I may have laughed at hardest in this episode was when the door closed in Jamie's room and Keely sees the poster of herself and she does like the Roy kid like Roy. holy fuck yeah that was their whole dynamic this episode was was hilarious oh man seeing Jamie's dad in rehab and like smiling for the oh, man there was just so much that it May's poem oh, yeah it's. It's Watching. by the way, if you ever want to look it up, it's called This Be the Verse by a poet named Philip Larkin. Um, but yeah, like when she, you know, comes up and it's like a poem about parents, the Ted's mom's line about parenting in parenting, you sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but most of the time you tie. The important part is that you just keep playing. It's like that was, that's that's when I cried. Well, I cried when Ted said he was afraid of his like where he's like, I'm scared of getting close yeah. to, to his son because I know he's going to leave. And I'm like that. Well, yeah, that's when I started crying. When she said that, I continued to cry. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, I was just like, as a dad, that yeah. just that hits you different as and for me, like in my own what I'm going through as a parent is like 
I have a child who's transitioning to high school. Yeah, you've only but, got a few years before. And she's I only, gone. I, daily, I think about like I only have four years left. And so whenever that that line was said, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "That's heavy, man. That's that's just heavy." So, yeah, I, re- I thoroughly enjoy this episode. Um, I've enjoyed this season, so really, it's it's still working for me. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that they explored that maybe took some time away, and like I do think there was probably some like stuff in the season that didn't need to be there. Um, but yeah, overall, like, well, I mean, uh, we talked about like, season. like last week, the whole, like they open up with like the separation from West Ham and it was like, well, that was jarring, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. But I mean, that's a very small nitpick to me. Yeah, it really, and, and this show isn't trying to be some crazy realistic, you know, cutting edge drama. Sometimes as a heartfelt comedy, you just have to be like, okay, yeah. and then this is the next plot thing that's moving us forward. Yeah, and you got to think this is the story about an American lower-level football coach, college football coach, who got a job at a EPL team. Yeah, one of the 20th, 20 most coveted <laughs> jobs in the so country, or in the world. The premise itself is ridiculous. So, uh, so yeah, so got to take everything you know what this show is and what it's trying to tell you it's not trying to be a super realistic show about football so this is the second to last episode give me your prediction for how it all ends well like we talked about i think the thing he's gonna tell rebecca is like he's leaving at the end of the season um as we've already seen nate's coming back I think you're going to see his apology, part of his letter, his 50 pages that he's writing to Ted. Um, and I really think they're going to – they're probably – if they're doing what we what do we think they're going to do, you're going to see a lot more of set up for what the show is going to become, less of than what it is, right? Does Richmond win the Premier League? They've got one game left. They're one point down from Man City. So Man City has to either tie or lose, and Richmond has to win in their last game of the season. So I think I think they're going to win. Because the way I'm bookending this is like season one, they get relegated. Right? Mm-hmm. And then season three, they win the whole thing. You know, that kind of like uh, dynamic. Yeah, and it's you know that's the it's the Ted quote when the whole effing thing and yeah. Um, I also think that there's been so many rom com references throughout this, and they even have the um, oh, you've got mail, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it was last season where they had the rom com talk where he talks about like you know hey in the end everything works out in a rom com it all works out. Um. Ted is definitely going back to Kansas. And if you didn't notice this, the this entire episode is laden with references to Kansas um, with his the sunflower bread. Plus his Wi-Fi uh, password. With yes. Barbecue sauce. Yeah. The, the pinball game that he's playing is a Wizard of Oz uh, yeah. pinball game. Yeah. Um, I cannot remember her name off the top of my head, but the old lady at the very beginning of the uh, episode who's doing her walk of shame back into her apartment um, she's carrying a pair of ruby red slippers 
And at the end, when Ted wakes up after, you know, having that moment with his mom and he reads the note from her and she's baked him that loaf of bread and it shows him heading into work. The song that's playing in the background is a song from The Wiz. So, I mean, there was just tons of Kansas references in this episode. So he's definitely going home. Uh, I, you know, as you mentioned, yep, Nate is coming back. I think we see Roy as the head coach and Nate is his assistant. And then I think um, I the one thing I'm not sure about is Beard. It wouldn't surprise me if Beard stays so that he can be with Jane. Um, you know, the the crazy girl that, that he's got there. And I think it'll be like a realization of like he doesn't need, you know, he doesn't need Ted anymore and Ted doesn't need him anymore kind of thing um, that they're kind of ready to to branch out and, and live their lives without each other. Um, and I do think that I think Richmond holds on and wins. I think it's something like Man City ties and and Richmond wins to to win the whole effing thing. I agree. And I have to apologize. Earlier, I said Kansas City, Missouri. It's Kansas City, Kansas. Yes, Kansas we're City. a Big Twelve podcast. I would never denigrate our friends from Kansas like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody likes Missouri. Not even Missouri. Missouri, you mean? Yeah. The Got it. the only good thing that came out of Missouri was uh, Mac Rhodes when we hired him away from the Missouri Tigers. So. Uh, sounds right to me. Don't, there's no reason to fact check that. Yeah. So Joe, Harry, Harry Truman, th- maybe, I guess. I think no, he's from, in, uh, I yeah, he's from Independence, Missouri, I believe. I don't count things that happened before I was alive. Pres- this is, that's your presidential fact of the day. Hold on. I need to re-Google that real quick. Uh, hold on. Harry Truman birthplace, Independence, Missouri. I'm telling you, that's what it is. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Uh, where? Oh, he was born in Lamar, Missouri. Uh, I got it wrong, but yeah, he's from he's from Missouri. There we go. I got that right. Why well, I think Independence? Maybe he lives there. Anyway, I'm moving on. What else are you watching, Matt? Are you watching stuff? Oh, he lived in Independence, Missouri. There we go. Um, are you are you watching any Harry Truman documentaries or anything like that? No. Um. So I'm watching Barry on HBO. I got through season one of Barry last week and I don't think I'm going to go forward. It's just not for me. I wouldn't think it'd be for you now. It's too, it's too like awkward. And like, I hate that. I hate the anti-hero shows where the good, the good guy slash bad guy, the, the protagonist is you constantly have to worry if he's going to be caught by the cops or not because I'm like if he gets caught and the show doesn't really exist anymore so like how does that even work um well, I'm not going to say anything because yeah I know I've seen pictures yeah, uh, spoiler alert for Barry like I know at some point he ends up in prison or jail so or something like, but... so I I watched the first season and I liked it I think it's a very good yeah, show Yeah it wasn't bad it it I'll tell you what, if it was just Noho Hank, I would watch the hell out of it. See, that's part of it. Like, I think he's hilarious. And he's, um, and I didn't quit I, watching I it. I am obsessed with him, but it, there's just not enough of it him. It gets so much better. I mean, he does, it, it continues to give. Noho Hank continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. But 
I just kind of got busy and just stopped watching it. Like I had other stuff going on and kind of fell out of it. So I've kind of binged my way back into it. So that's kind of what I'm in the process of doing. Like I'm still watching the, uh, um, I'm not caught up. I'm I'm still watch. I'm watching season four right now. I'm trying to get caught up by the finale this Sunday. I also really don't like his girlfriend because she's yeah. just an, not yeah. a good person. Well, I don't think there. This isn't your type of show because there aren't. I don't think any good people. Yeah, that's fair. Because I, yeah, that, that's actually a fair thing. Like the redeeming thing about Barry is that he like wants to be good, but he's constantly put into a situation where he has to be bad like, so that he like can that again running, try to be good. There's a running joke of like, this is the last time. Yeah, this is the I'm, last time. You know, like, yeah. From this point on, I'm not killing. And then that's a running kind of gag. Um, but yeah, like, like Barry's the only person that you kind of can root for, and and I and I, I think it's well written. I think it's well done. Henry Winkler's great in it, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's just sad that he gets taken advantage of by everybody. <laughs> with with the exception of Noho Hank, he's the only good dude. Noho Hank's nice dude. All right, so you're 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 binging Barry. I'm not really like binging anything else right now. I'm just kind of like lasso focused. But Matt, I do have some news for you. That I I saw a movie. What movie did you see? On Saturday, my wife and I got to go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Hit me with it. Better than two, not as good as one. Perfectly. That's how I that's where I sit. Fair ending. Fair closing to this show. I to this like I'm pretty sure it's done now. Like James, because James Gunn is totally gone. So I don't think I don't know if there's going to be any more of them. And even even at the end, I don't think you'll see him as. I mean, you may see like individuals. Because yeah, because at the end of the movie, yeah, in the past two, it says the Guardians of the Galaxy will return. At the end of this one, it said Star Lord will return. The thing about is, yeah, I don't think because I think Dave Batista is done. Um, and my so, wife was telling me that apparently Chris Pratt is trying to say he's done too. And has apparently has said that if James Gunn's not attached to it, he doesn't want to do it anymore. I, but I don't know if that's well, I mean, him being could, included in something else or if they were to try well, to do another Guardians movie or something. I heard someone say this. So like there is a comic book run. You know how they do in Marvel. They have like spider-man than the amazing spider-man it's a complete yeah they're, they're variants they have variants of the comics. and then in the end of this it said the legendary star lord which is another comic book run um telling stories so you could see a different star lord play like the legendary starboard yeah in in the post credit scene where he goes and finds his grandfather and and he's just kind of like sitting there eating cereal and they're talking about stuff like um I could see them doing maybe a series or a movie where it's just him on earth trying like doing the reintegration thing. You know, it, it would be basically a retreading of the, the captain America jokes of, Oh, here's all the things that you aren't aware of here on earth, you know, that you missed out on in the, the 30 years that you were gone. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was a good film. Um, it's more a rocket 
raccoon. Yeah, they and they they kind of are, they kind of implied that it was going to be in a lot of the materials heading yeah. up to the movie, and they even kind of say some stuff in the movie that like you know Rocket was the main character all along kind of thing. Yeah. Well, James Gunn said, I mean, kind of alluded to that, like it was always like Rocket story, which doesn't make any sense because I think that's. That, that's marketing. such revisionist I, history because it's I, not. Yeah, it's I think it's marketing. very much been Star Lord's story. Yes, the, you open with his mother dying on Earth. Yeah. The entire second <laughs> movie is about finding his dad. So it's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So it's like that's marketing, but and the, that's the fine. key relationship in this whole in the whole group has been Star Lord and another person. Like yeah. it's it has clearly been star lord stories they're just kind of retconning it to be like no it was always supposed to be rockets even the holiday special they go for like christmas for star lord and um spoilers for the holiday special kidnap kevin bacon yeah it's it's a hundred percent been star lord story until now now I loved it. I thought it was really cool learning about Rocket's background, you know, learning about who the Sovereign are and and getting a better understanding of some of the weird stuff that exists across this vast and diverse universe out there. Um, I do think the villain was a bit easy to defeat, though. Like, they did not they did not really face um, face much opposition to, to beat this guy. Matt, I think you're talking to your daughter again. Oh, no, I was just on mute. Um, Uh, I think he was good, though, as a villain. He was a good villain. Very well acted. And I think part of the, like, he just wear it on, even his own people turned on him at the end because he was such a horrible They were like, why do you care about this one thing? Let's just go. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I was going to see Fast. Is it Fast 10? Fast X. Okay. Uh, but I decided not to. <laughs> I really want to go see it, but I probably won't spend the money. I'll wait till and it comes out. Because I've heard such like good things about Jason Momoa's performance as this villain that I just want to see it. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch it, but I normally like the fast movies. Like I have a, I have a really cool media room. I can watch it at home. Yeah. It's not, it's of course not the same as going in the theater, but it's not like I'm just watching yeah. it on a 32 inch TV in my living room. Um, but so, I was debating cause I think there's another movie. Oh, I want to go see, I guess the, um, I just froze. Oh, the flash, which I guess is, a Batman movie? I don't know. There's three or two Batman in the Flash movie, so I hate like I don't I don't want to go. I don't want to. I know. See it. I'm right there. Wait, I, I, it has Michael thing. Keaton. It has my two favorite. I think probably my two favorite Batman in it. I'm a big fan of of Batfleck. People don't like him. I liked him. Um, and of course, wait, Michael Batfleck Ke- is in your top two. Yeah. You liked Batfleck better than Christian Bale? I liked his portrayal of Batman. His portrayal of Batman or his portrayal as Bruce Wayne? Well, to me, they're one of the same. See, I think some guys give a good Bruce Wayne. Some guys give a good Batman. Some guys give a good both. So, like Keaton th- is a good both. I think, yeah. And I think for me, I don't know. 
because I think he did. I I I like him for like he's playing like an older like you know forties age Batman, whereas Christian Bale does a great job. But he's playing more of um. You see him. He's he's becoming Batman basically in the Batman Begins. And I kind think of that story. I, I think from like a like I think he was a bad Bruce Wayne. Yeah. But again, this is like early Bruce Wayne. But Robin so, Robert Pattinson's Batman was awesome to me. Oh, I haven't seen that one. You still haven't seen the Batman? I still haven't made myself watch it. No. Bro, oh my god. No, you tonight. Just stay up late. You don't have work tomorrow. Watch it tonight. I think uh I've seen parts of it. I just haven't seen the whole the whole thing together. Sit down. Watch the whole thing together. It's great. But uh yeah, I like I'm I'm a Batfleck fan. I liked him. That's just where I'm at. You know, are you a, are not a Clooney guy or a Val Kilmer? Let me rephrase that. He's my favorite. He's in my top three. Because now I'm thinking about it as like I really did enjoy the Nolan Batman. Now again, I haven't seen Pattinson, so I can't really make an, a decision on that. But mm-hmm. but and more so, it's Keaton because that's like that's like my Batman. So it's like. Yeah, Keaton is the one that I that's, remember. Like that's, that's the one, the, those were the first Batman movies that I ever watched. Yeah, yeah. So like that is what I'm I'm kind of like super stoked about. Okay, fair enough. All right, Matt. And I hear it's else? a good I hear it's a good movie, and I feel the same way about like Ezra. I don't Miller, know. I don't trust everyone DC. else. I I don't trust DC at all. I mean, they kept Ezra Miller because they said present, reportedly they kept ever they didn't like completely scrap it and recast it because. The movie was so good, so they they dealt with all his shenanigans and crimes. I just feel like it's a DC movie. There's going to be too much stuff on screen. It's going to be too noisy on screen. It's like I don't know. I don't. I, should, I don't trust the DC universe movies. I should also go back. I said Ezra Miller and, and his crimes. I think he's non-binary, so. That's they're, correct. Their they're, crimes. They're crimes. Crimes. And we don't mean that facetiously. We, if no, you have no a, I mean it really. Like yeah. he wants to be called. There, I did it again. They want to be called they, them. Yeah. Let's I get will, off my back, I, man. I will oblige. Yeah. And um, I will respect you by doing that. So, Matt, good on yeah. you for calling that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's about it for me as far as like what I'm watching right now. I I also just finished. I I watched it maybe like twice a year, but I just I just watched Band of Brothers. So I'm starting. Which, it. I just started it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know it. what it is. Maybe it's because it's almost June, and it's, it just it's to me it is. It's because D Day's coming up. Yeah, D Day's like, coming up. So so it's like I always even though even though they don't storm Normandy in Easy Company, but hey, um, but they do. Yeah, they pair they on, parachute. They do D-Day. land in Normandy, just not. They're on the part beach. of the D Day invasion. This is true. They're there before the beach, the beach landings, like yeah. hours before, in fact. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm doing that as well. I just what watched, episode are you on? Uh, three, because I watched like two back to back. Gotcha. One okay. and two, I watched together. So, so you are now. I've watched it so many times. You're though, in like, what market? You're heading towards Market Garden then. So this is Market Garden. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like this is like I think they're going into Carentan. Carentan. See, I, I've, watched it, I've watched it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Band of Brothers fifteen times, if so, if not more. So yeah, 
It's um, one of those that the West Wing and then like Top Gore Top Gear slash Grand Tour, like those three shows I watch multiple times a year. <laughs> yeah. So like I will probably start a West Wing watch here in the next month or two. It's something I mean, it's less so now with Disney Plus and like they 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 put out these like Star Wars shows during the summer and stuff. So you it's been you've had new stuff to watch, but before there really wasn't a lot. There's baseball. And well, see, that's my thing is it happens to me a lot in the summer because I love watching baseball, but I, I, I don't know. I've always just I, I will like I like to lay on the couch, have the game on, and then I will watch something else while I'm yeah. kind of like listening to the game. Yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. And we'll continue to do so. So, yeah, so I'm just. As far as other new things, I guess I'm just waiting. Ahsoka comes out like next month. Yes, uh, and the Grand Tour has uh, Euro Crash, their latest special coming out. I think on mm-hmm. June 16th, so I'm excited about that. So yeah, so we're gonna have some other content to talk about besides Ted Lasso in the near future. Excellent. All right, Matt. Where can the people find you? Find me on Twitter. At Matt underscore Workman, you find the podcast at the Baird and Pod, and at the Baird, uh, the Baird and Pod dot com. How about you, Joe? You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman, and here in the next couple of months, make sure you're on the lookout for us because when I mentioned earlier that Matt had a trip to Dallas this summer, it's because Matt and I are officially going to Big Twelve Media Days. So be on the lookout for it. Be on the lookout for us there. Uh, we'll have some content coming out around that as well. Maybe we should try to do a live show. See if we I was can pull it about off. that. Maybe we can pull something off. I believe the Gauchos are going to be there, um, so we might do something with them too. What about? I mean, we need to talk to Matt. I don't know if he'll be able to make it. Yeah, we need to talk to Matt. We need to talk to Philip. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk to all those guys. For sure. Yeah. All right, all Matt. Right, until next week. Second bears. Second bears. Network.